welcome to The Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Knowing. I am CL. It is a beautiful, such a beautiful frosty morning here in Western Canada. What you guys got going on over there, Allison? Uh, we are, it is beautiful. It's actually hot. It's 75 what? degrees, if you can believe it. What? I know. Oh my God. It's a little Weird. bizarre. Um, yeah. But we'll take it before we go into whatever this winter is going to be. Um, yeah. We did just find out about the election results yesterday. So, so whenever heard, this is, yes. you know, <laughs> whenever uh-huh. this podcast goes out, that's what world I'm living in right now. Like actually uh-huh. remembering how to like exhale. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just feeling, feeling good, feeling hope, feeling like some community was really nice. People were like playing guitars out of windows and banging oh, on no Like really, yeah. Like dancing in the awesome. streets is pretty, pretty sweet here in New York anyway. It really, it's, it's been an interesting, I suppose, a like such a protracted event, you know, that like, I think that at some point we up in Canada, I mean, it certainly, it affects us presidencies, I think affect the entire world in, in different ways. But um, I sort of dropped out of like paying attention to it because it was just like, I don't know what's going on. And and it really, it did feel really tense and unpleasant to sit in that space, you know, and I recognize the sort of privilege of being able to just go not paying attention to it, you know, but it would have been intense mm-hmm. for you guys. Hey, like how many it days was, just, was that? Oh, um, I think from, yeah, from Wednesday to Saturday, um, I also kind of did avoid it. I, I did, avoided it on the day and the day after because it was like I know right. there's not going to be any results and I can't I can't watch I can't watch and listen to like pundits you know talk about how we yeah. don't have answers yet so I did yeah. ignore it um, as much as I could um, but then when it was announced Saturday morning it was like I didn't realize that I'd been kind of holding my breath. Then I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm fine. This is, it's like what we talked about last, um, last episode. It's like, oh, I'm fine, but I'm like constipated and not breathing. <laughs> <laughs> it I'm is like, really, uh, totally, you know, I, I was lying in bed last night, you know, realizing that like my right elbow can't bend and my fingers feel all like, you know, stuck <laughs> together. And I was like, I feel great. Like what the, what the hell's going on with my body? You know, I'm like, maybe. <laughs> a little bit stressed you know yeah it's such a thing it's really it seems to dominate that topic of referencing the body or yeah. referencing I mean it, you know in the shamanic tradition referencing the messages that cross our path the animals the, the elements you know message referencing wisdom from alternate sources right rather than our own minds because our minds uh, you know, as they call it in the Toltec tradition, like this this parasite or this this energy that you know exists in our in our psyches so much of the time that just lies. It's it's always full of lies, mm-hmm. you know. And and I don't think it's is a evil being that's trapped in all of our consciousness, you know. But it is. It's scared, and when people are scared and and kind of wounded, they tend to do whatever they can to survive, and and our ego mind does that, you know, and and mm-hmm. really to get out of it, I think is it's necessary to not fight it, you know. I think people think that they should fight their mind. I, I do definitely think that like learning to kind of control or domesticate the mind is a good thing through meditation or conscious mindfulness practices, but like just shift the attention into the body and learn to listen to that and it will not lead you astray. And it, it's really what I seem to be talking into about with everybody right now because our bodies are showing what's really happening right now. Mm-hmm. It's been very hard to have a regular seated meditation practice lately for me and also just like other friends who meditate are like, I haven't been able. And it's like, I think that it's like, even when you separate yourself there is an mm-hmm. element when it's just around you, you can't you can't not feel it, even if you're mm-hmm. not conscious of not feeling it. So it's like when you really need that mind training the most, I find that it's the hardest to actually sit Absolutely. down and do it. 
Yeah. But I think that this is, you know, in um, in the shamanic tradition, the idea of us cultivating um, our, our medicine bag, right? All of these tools that we reference or go to, they need to be diverse. You know, they we can't just have meditation in our medicine bag of like, oh, when things are crazy, like you should do that. Because truly, I mean, sometimes it's not the right medicine. You know, it's, it's mm. like saying that, I don't know, taking stinging nettles is always going to be the best thing for you. It's not. It's it's going to be good at certain times and may actually be detrimental at different times. And I'm not, you know, advocating for just like throwing meditation out the window at this time in our experience, but like really recognizing that we do need a diversity of tools and healing practices and stuff in order to navigate hard times. And they they need to be as, as wide ranging as meditation and dance and headstands and yoga, like whatever, you know, each person has to find their own kit in a sense, you know? And I think that I think this should be a, a huge part of of schooling in our civilization is teaching kids those healthy coping resilience strategies, right? Things that they mm-hmm. do that really benefit them so that they can navigate stress in a healthy way, you know? But for the, all of us who obviously did not get taught those ways, I mean, got taught that, what does Brene Brown say? I'm just going to eat a banana but nut muffin and like watch some TV or something. <laughs> like that's our coping yeah. strategy, right? It's like, yeah. let me numb and avoid and and ignore or... You know, as some people you know, push really, really hard or go into addictions or whatever to get away from those uncomfortable things. And we need to we need to have practices that actually allow us to stay right and to yeah. sit in in that energy, whatever it is at that moment, you know, and in a healthy way. I think that's a good reminder to that you are allowed to switch it up because in some ways I think mm-hmm. that it's easy to get locked into like, oh, this makes me feel good and I have to do it every day in order to keep mm-hmm. feeling good. Mm-hmm. And and so it's like, you know, when you stopped doing a meditation for a day, then it somehow has like erased all of the days that you sat before that. That's what it feels like to me oh, anyway. I really? Think that it's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's like the meditation timer apps and things where they like, are like you, they mark your days and you're like, oh, I've meditated for however X and many right. days. And then if you miss a day, it starts back from zero. So it's like starting from, like, it feels like that with everything, exercise, eating well. It's like, oh, I didn't do it today. I guess I'm starting over from zero. See, and, and that's a really interesting, I think, a sort of relationship with our practices to explore because, you know, so much of, and I think we reference this on a really early podcast, Alison, so much of what we are trained to do, you know, in, in Western civilization, how we're trained to do things is with this external locus, right? We do things to please other people. We do things to check off, you know, that we did it on the meditation app, you know, and mm-hmm. and that can be a good motivational system and a way of getting us to to move towards goals. But at some point on that journey, the the reason that we do what we do has to become internalized and linked more significantly to a, a core set of values that we want to live by, right? If we are we're doing this not just because we have to, or or even you know to borrow your words because it makes us feel good. I think that you know as as I think on the last episode we were talking about moving towards things that. I'm not, you know, or suggesting that we are being masochistic here, but moving towards things that are uncomfortable, you know, practicing Mm. patience as a conscious movement towards suffering, right? If we're just aiming towards what feels good all the time, then no, I don't think that we'll ever build the the sort of strength and, and capacity in ourselves to actually like meet stress healthfully, right? But it's, it's like, when are we taking those goals, say our goal of meditation, our goal of exercise and making it about how we feel and how well we are aligning our actions with a core set of values and principles and and moral code in a sense that we want to abide by right and that's that's a scary thing i think as as people in our civilization when we have been we just program we're so used to doing things to show other people right or to get approval yeah. from other people or to make sure that you know we're we're doing what we think we should you know based on somebody else's set of of rules and sort of expectations mm. yeah and it's, I think the that's good. Mic drop. That was it. Yep. We're done yep. today. Just that. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it, you know, this, um, in the, you know, the teachings of, of Don Juan and the Carlos Castaneda's lineage, you know, they mm-hmm. talk about the difficulty of the path of power, the path of spiritual warriorship, the path of integrity. And truly, you know, I would put the language of, of David Rico, who I've referenced before, but, you know, the path of truly being an adult, someone who takes mm-hmm. responsibility for their existence, you know, and and that is a lifelong endeavor. It doesn't happen today or tomorrow. It's something that we commit to as as the purpose of our existence here is to be more true to ourselves, right? To be more ourselves in, and whatever that looks like, you know, which requires us to look at ourselves. And so, but in the Toltec tradition, the this path is dangerous. It's hard. It's exhausting. It It is going to bring you into contact with, with energies that are terrifying, you know, in yourself and other people and in the world, we have to be ready. And they talk about this idea of, of shielding. And this is very different than like, say the, the, the idea of like energy protection of like blocking out energies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, shielding has more to do with how are you yeah. cultivating practices and ways of being in the world that keep you very, very strong, no matter what you come in contact with, right? And you're not trying to get rid of those energies. You're em- the emphasis is on keeping you strong, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping you in alignment and and able to meet whatever comes. And so like this an requires, I think, really. it totally, exactly. It's not, it's not based on resistance. You're not like, oh God, there's bad energies out there and how do I protect myself, right? And that that sort of psychological approach to quote unquote protection, I think is mm-hmm. is rather bothersome to me, you know, because it again externalizes this problem. Like the problem is the bad energy out there, and we're always in this sort of fight against it. Shielding in shamanic practice is more about how do you make yourself as resilient, as you know, strong and capable and honest and and, and full of integrity as possible, so as to meet the difficulties of your path, right? Mm-hmm. And this requires us to go inwards. I mean, as we've talked about before, ask ourselves, what are our values? How do you want to show up in the world? You know, because if if we're focusing on what everybody else is doing or trying to please everybody else, you know, we're not checking in on what is true for us, you know, is that I want to be a person who has extraordinary honesty and and doesn't gossip and and doesn't malign. And, you know, these principles of Jesus, these principles of like, you know, the virtuous principles of every tradition, you know, but we have to pause and say, am I doing those things? And those are shields. When we mm-hmm. live in alignment with them, it makes us impervious to the onslaught of of what's going on around us, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's, does that make sense as like a, a practice and approach? Well, I feel I, I feel like um, ethically, not that I want to be like you know ethics are easy. I don't feel, I don't feel <laughs> that they're not easy, but I, I feel like in some ways beha- that kind of behavior that is like how do I want to move through the world feels understandable to me. I think where mm-hmm. I get locked up is like how to actually take care of myself mm-hmm. and and be the adult that is like really looking after my own needs as opposed because mm-hmm. I think the reason why ethics feel like they make more sense to me is because it's like you can get a sense of it because it's reflected back to you really quickly but it's and it's easier to me to listen to that when it's coming from an outside source when I have to mm-hmm. listen to just myself about how I'm mm-hmm. treating myself it's like mm-hmm. I just don't speak that language as deeply I think as my language right. with other Right. And so it's like, I find that I can be a, a good, stern adult, but it's like, I need mm-hmm. to like get shit done sometimes. And I can put myself in a position where I do that. And sometimes it's kind mm-hmm. of like through force. And then I'm really good at being like a really indulgent adult with myself where it's like, I'm tired. I'm, I'll just mm-hmm. lay down. I'll do it tomorrow. But it's like, I'm not super skilled yet. We'll say yet at being able to be a stern and loving adult with myself where it's like, I really don't want to do this and I'm going to do it and it's not going to feel like punishment. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to feel like I'm taking care of myself. It still feels a little bit like, oh, I'll make myself do it or I'll treat myself. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, a couple of things you said in there. So uh, call you out on this choice of words is that there is no (laughs) such thing as an indulgent adult. There's no such thing. Hmm. Adults 
when we are in a true maturity position, we're not indulgent. We don't. We we don't. We're not letting ourselves do something we know we shouldn't be doing. Right. We are either doing it and we're committing to doing it, or we're not doing it. Right. And I mean, this is this is a the pretty intense call to maturity. Is that that is that is what the idea of alignment is in shamanic practice? Is that you are not divided. You're not feeling one thing and doing another. Right. If mm. if you're inner mind, inner sense is saying, you need to go and get some exercise right now, but you're lying on the couch, that's a lack of alignment. That's that's not true yeah. integrity and and commitment to really showing up with the the greatest alignment in our life, right? We if if we are gonna lie on the couch, let ourselves lie on the couch, but there's not gonna be indulgent in there. Indulgence, there's not gonna be guilt, there's not gonna be we're gonna decide that that's what we're doing in that moment, right? And that's mm. fine. I'm not advocating that we never let ourselves rest, but that, you know, if we are conscious of an awareness in our own being that says, you shouldn't be eating this right now, or this makes you feel bad when you do this, you know, but we still do it. We are not taking full responsibility for our choices and how we're showing up. We are not aligning ourselves with spiritual warriorship and and this commitment to taking taking our power, right, and, and assuming a position of power in, in our lives, which is the intention of shamanic practices, is to remind us how to live that way, right? And, mm-hmm. and what you said before that, though, Alison, you know, of this difficulty of... Um, Taking what I heard and what you said anyways, of taking this sort of set of values that maybe we establish about how we want to show up in the world and the difficulty of then applying that to like how we take care of ourselves and how we attend to our needs. But I don't think that they need to be separate at all. How we treat Mm -hmm. ourselves, how we treat other people, the aspiration I think is to do that the exact same, right? And this is why in, in the shamanic lineage, the emphasis on our tools of compassion, blessing, kindness, um, you know, really being present to the pains, the sufferings of ourselves, of other people, we make it so that how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people is is it's going to be indivisible. It's it's not going to look ever any different, right? And I agree that it is very, very hard to honor ourselves, very, very hard to acknowledge what our needs are and do that with kindness, but firmness, you know, and and be able to relate to ourselves in a in an adult way you know but that's the practice is is actually calling ourselves to task in doing that for ourselves and for the rest of the world mm-hmm. I think I'm still stuck on you call me a baby um that, <laughs> <laughs> that all, all all you heard was like meanwhile Alice is boring a hole through my forehead with her eyes just kidding <laughs> I'm not, no, I, I promise you I'm not calling you a baby any more no, than I call myself a baby or yeah. anybody else. I mean, this is this like theoretical idea of, you know, what is an adult? What is it to yeah. be an adult in the world? You know, yeah. does an adult do one thing and say another? And I I don't mm. think so. You know, in, in my definition yeah. of what true maturity is, an adult is you know, aligned in their values and and their actions and their choices. And they call themselves to task, you know, with, again, this quality of of firmness, but compassion, right? An adult is compassionate, is is Mm -hmm. really understanding, but not indulgent and not enabling, you know, of, of perpetual, you know, choices that are negative for us or for other people, right? We, we don't just pretend that we can't see those things, right? Mm-hmm. And this, again, so, the, the, go ahead. Well, I have a little question in there. And I feel like maybe this question is just me trying to figure out how to continue to get out of doing things that I don't want to do <laughs> and call that alignment. <laughs> but let's pretend like that's not it. Let's uh-huh. say that there is a moment where it's like, I am genuinely too tired to work out today. Let's use yes. that as an example. Yes. I'm genuinely too tired to work out. And so I'm just going to decide to not do it today. Um, is the part where it's it's in alignment is to say I've made the decision and I'm not going to feel bad about it because I've made the decision to not work out. And it's like, if I feel bad about it, then I should just do it. Well, I'm having a hard time you, putting this together. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the the question that my uh, a teacher that I work with down in California, you know, offered to me, and I may have referenced this on on a previous podcast. I, I can't remember. Did we talk about doing our best? I don't think so yet. I don't think so. I don't think so. So. The question of what's called impeccability practice, right? And mm-hmm. impeccability is, again, one of these shields in shamanic practice. It's it's perhaps one of the most important shields, something that protects us from the onslaught of energies and intensities that we're going to encounter on this path, is that we, we practice impeccability um, through asking ourselves the question over and over and over again, am I doing my best right now? So in that circumstance... Mm-hmm. You are thinking that you should go to the gym, you know, and and shoulds are generally an indication that there's going to be a problem with alignment, you know, when we have a should that's present in what we're thinking, because Mm -hmm. who says should? Like, is it somebody outside of you, you know, some other idea that you had about what would happen in this day, but you're really tired or you're really sick or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. The should is... um, is perfectionism. And perfectionism is very different than impeccability in that perfectionism has a pre-established idea of what things need to look like in order for them to be okay, right? And so in that Mm -hmm. perfectionism is impossible. We can never reach it. We're just perpetually dissatisfied because we come up with this idea of, say, what our day is going to look like, and it's not based in reality, right? And then and then we get to shit on ourselves or other people or be upset about stuff, right? Impeccability mm-hmm. is not that. Impeccability is a moment-by-moment questioning, investigation with ourselves to say, right now, am I doing my best? Or should I? could I show up a little bit more? Or mm-hmm. if I the answer comes through, you know, yes, I am doing my best, then I need to come into connection with myself and refuse to indulge in guilt, right? Because I've mm-hmm. made this decision. An adult says, I made this decision and I know that it's the best decision for me. And I'm not going to let my mind spin this story of of guilt or shame or whatever is is occurring for me. And we can stop that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we can if we decide to not indulge in that, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I often, I mean, the question that I often ask people when having this kind of dialogue about this practice is, in your life, Alison, have you been doing your best throughout your lifetime? I would say yes. I think my issue is feeling like my best is good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that comes out of practicing this frequently, asking yourself this question frequently, because if you start today, which is whatever, November 8th, you know, you start asking this, this question of yourself every single day, you will prevent being able to look back in your past and go, oh, I should have done better. Because you knew mm. consciously that you were doing the best you could back then. And this right. prevents toxic guilt, toxic shame, you know, this like 2020, you know, hind vision that we have to be able to go, oh, I should have done differently. I should have known what I know today back mm-hmm. then, you know, and that's so deeply unkind to ourselves and and deeply unkind to our process, right? So this this practice of, of really saying in this moment, you know, am I here? Am I, am I showing up? And if the answer comes through no, then we need to do a little bit more. And on some days, you may find by asking that question that it's like, oh, maybe... Maybe you're not that tired, you know, and maybe we should go to the gym. (laughs) And if that is the answer, then we do it without, again, guilt and shame. And we don't need to whine about it. And I use the word whining carefully, you know, but it again, if we've made the decision, then that's what we're going to do. You know, and maybe we go to the gym for 10 minutes and we get there and we go, whoa, okay, I'm actually tired. You know, we can still leave. Like impeccability is... It's not without course correction. It's not without, you know, like the, the necessary reflection on on the choices that we've made and, and maybe those weren't the right choices. But it is absent of guilt and shame and doubt and all of these things that zap our energy constantly. The, that's mm-hmm. where most of our power is going into, right? I think that, yes, I, I think the tricky part with the word best is that I naturally want to go to a place of like, and is this excellence? I think that's mm-hmm. like that perfectionist, you know what I mean? Exactly. Voice where it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, to allow my best to be like kind of my 30% some days feels like, well, that's not my best. My best is excelling because, you know, I expect mm-hmm. all this and whatever about myself. So mm-hmm. it's it's tricky to change the definition of best or to like mm-hmm. really lock it's in. so, yeah, because it requires compassion. 
It requires self-reflection. It requires presence to what is here in this moment, you know, is that I don't think we're ever doing 30% because we're doing 100% of what we can do in that moment. 30% only exists if we subscribe to perfectionism, which is this pre-decided, predetermined idea of what we should be doing, right? Because then, based on that, we can go, oh, see, I'm only 30%, you know, of this mm -hmm. goal that I set for myself without taking into consideration what was actually happening or has been happening for me. I, yeah. I sort of couch this, this question of, am I doing my best with people with the sort of then refrain of, Given the tools, the trauma, and the training that you've experienced in your lifetime, are you doing your best? And the answer is 100% of the time, yes. And to extend this compassion to all human beings, it is 100% of the time, yes. That mm -hmm. is what that person is doing. I mean, this is what trauma-informed perspectives are asking of us to, to really consider, is that all human beings, given the trauma, the tools, and the training that they've experienced, are doing their best. Mm -hmm. Now, Knowing that, you know, and, and especially cultivating this actively for ourselves, going, okay, I'm doing my best. Maybe maybe shaming myself into a different way of being isn't the best route, isn't the best technique, you know. This is what we've been doing for a long time. Um, maybe coming into presence to connection with myself in this moment and actually approving of myself. If I'm mm -hmm. laying on the couch, then I just give myself that for a moment and love that I made that choice and resist the guilt and the shame and this is, you know, how we we gain clarity, we gain alignment, because if you, I promise, Alison, if you or anyone else practice this question over and over and over again, like every single day, keep it as like the, the meditation in your mind of, am I doing my best? It's like, it's like cleaning up the past and keeping all of your soul self with you from this day forward. Because mm -hmm. when we blame ourselves or we we blame our past self we fragment from that part of our soul and we cast her away and tell her that she can't be with us you know and and we can never heal if we're still in that sort of uh, way of of being and, and responding to ourselves right so mm -hmm. this is a, a very important practice of power yeah this is this is a real sticky spot for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because why do we not want to approve of ourselves. Why why do we somewhat subconsciously resist being able to just go, no, you are doing a great job. Isn't that what we're really seeking is is to feel that? Yes. What is that? I don't know. It, oh, can you ask it in a different way? I this is good. This is a tough one. I feel like um because this is so deep for me, I'm just like I hear you talking, I'm like, I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> so what needs to change in this moment for you to love yourself completely what's what's right there that you need to change about yourself mm. well I think there's a part of me I think a part of me knows nothing a part of me does believe nothing that it's like I, mm -hmm. I do try my best I, genu I genuinely you know feel solid in how I show up. But I think that there is a little bit of a confidence thing where it, it's like trusting my sight, where it's like, mm -hmm. well, I, I think I'm doing okay, but what if I have some blind spot and, and I'm not? Or I'm causing harm and don't know it or... Right. And that, I mean, I think that's a, it's a great question, but the, the answer I think is, of course you have blind spots. You're always going to have blind spots until you have reached perfect enlightenment. You know, all people are going to have blind spots to where they are, you know, uh, subconsciously taking out their wounding on someone else. And, and yeah, we, that's the, the process of the, the journey is to uncover those blind spots, you know, but does that, does that lack of so-called completion, because I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like we're all thinking that we have to get to this place. Again, this is the, the tonal, you know, energetic quality of perfectionism, as it says, when I get here, then I can rest, then I can be yeah. okay, then I can approve mm -hmm. of myself, then I can meet the world as it is, right? This conditional experience of, of you know, approving of ourselves, and then we're surprised when we're not happy, you know, with, with what we're doing, you know, and I think laying those things out for ourselves of going, 
what are the conditions that I have laid out on, on for when I get to be happy, right? Is it when I lose a certain amount of weight, when I act a certain way, when I have a certain amount of money? What is it, right? And like, let's, let's be honest with ourselves about like what those conditions are because they're fabricated ideas. They're not real. They're not true. Just like the the idea of perfectionism is not true, you know, and what we present is this idea of how we need to be or the world needs to be. It's also not true. We can mm-hmm. meet ourselves and the world as it is right now and choose to be happy in this moment, right? But first we have mm-hmm. to, I think, look at what's keeping us away from it. Mm. Well, as you say that, it's like I am kind of trying to like root around and see, you know, what am I comparing myself to? Because it obviously right. is like other people or other parts of myself, I guess, where it's yeah. like, you know, I, I think that the confusing part to me is that sometimes my best is a lot. Like I can, it's it's productive and all the like kind of, you know, capitalistic patriarchal, whatever, I am a successful person type of things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Mm -hmm. my best is like, you know, I took it real easy today and I didn't really get much done and I had some to-dos and I let them slide and whatever. And that genuinely was my best. But it's hard to, it, it is hard to congratulate yourself for that because you feel like you're being lazy. See, but if you are absolutely certain you did your best, there's no space for judgment of laziness and stuff, right? There's yeah. there's no space for guilt and shame if we are really being honest with ourselves that we were doing our best. If we're not and we're saying, mm-hmm. mm, I'm doing my best, but I'm actively actually ignoring that thing that I know I need to get done, you know, and telling ourselves, kind of letting ourselves off the hook. I mean, this is a really challenging perspective on on the shamanic path is that we don't let to get, we don't get to let ourselves off the hook. You don't get to say, um, I see that, you know, I know that this needs to be attended to. I know that it needs to be attended to right now, but I'm going to ignore it, right? This, yeah. and, and if we do, we're not doing our best, right? Because if our mind is saying, this is something that's important for you to do right now, our job is is to do that, right? And I mean, if I, I call it the voice of impeccability with people that I find with clients, it, it starts to emerge as they commit to this practice. And they are amazed by how often their mind actually, and, and I don't know if it's, I don't think it's just the mind, it's the spirit self talking to them going, this is what you need to get done right now. And it's mm-hmm. not harsh and it's not cruel and it's not judgmental, but it is firm and it is very sure that this is what you need to put your energy into. And if we do not yeah. listen to that, you know, we've asked for power and we are misusing power. And I always say to people, if they want to commit to shamanic practices and say, I want my power in my life, well, then you have to be like damn sure that you want to be on this path because it requires of you to be showing up in every possible way and not, I mean, this is, I think that obviously I'm committed to this path and so I believe in it, but like it is a beautiful way to exist as a human being. It's, it's you know, Chagyan Trumpa, the head of Shambhala, calls it the, the way of the great eastern sun where we do not let ourselves off the hook. He calls the other world, you know, this, this the world of the setting sun. Like it's, it's just, there's not enough time and there's not enough energy and there's this like flat uh, misery almost, you know, of like not calling ourselves to task. And Mm-hmm. And I think that when we do this, yeah, it feels hard at first. It, it takes work. Healing is work, you know. But ultimately, as we practice the path more and more, that and that voice emerges and we can trust ourselves. Like, oh, my God, to not lose energy to guilt and shame and and mm-hmm. doubt and, and looking back and going, oh, my God, I totally was lazy that day. Well, what is laziness? Laziness doesn't exist. I don't think it's, you know, it's if we are resting, then we rest. If we, laziness is this idea that we come up with to say, oh, I, I knew I was supposed to be doing something, but I didn't do it. So I want to indulge in, in, in beating on myself, right? And mm-hmm. that, I think we have to really cut out, you know, and consciously And you're saying that's the misuse with. of power. Sorry. Totally. Yeah. Because if we, you know, everyone says that they want authority in their lives. They want to be, you know, having this sense of agency, this sense of like, we want, you know, and we want to be treated with respect from other people. Well, we mm-hmm. got to show up 
in a respectful way. And that means doing what you say, saying what you do, meaning what you say, feeling what you say, saying what you feel. You know, I mean, this is this is not small. Power is not like, oh, I just want this and I should just have it and then I don't have to do all the work associated with it, right? It is mm-hmm. a huge responsibility. And so if we say we want this path and and people do, you know, all the time to me, and I think that's a very exciting thing, but to recognize that it's not... I don't think any spiritual pursuit, a true authentic spiritual path, has anything less than this as a as a requirement, is that we are not letting ourselves off the hook and going, mm-hmm. today it's okay that I'm gossiping and, and shitting on other people, you know, because they're bad people, you know, like we have to pay attention to how we're, we're behaving. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're at a point in your practice where you just totally trust that you can do that all the time? Mm. No. And and that, like, I've had this really wonderful realization, really uncomfortable. Actually, I wouldn't even say it's been that uncomfortable. It's uh, It's been more liberating than anything this week of recognizing things that I've been indulging in as... When we indulge in sort of mental... Uh, approaches or or ways of conceptualizing what's happening in our life that let us off the hook. It's a little bit like I call it five cent candy, you know, um, eating. Like we're we're like, oh, I want mm-hmm. something to to nourish myself and to make me feel better. But I'm gonna eat this like <laughs> vacuous piece of shit food that's not. <laughs> right. It doesn't have anything in it, but it's gonna give me this little burst of energy, and I'm gonna feel better for a minute because I got a bit of sweetness, you know. And then mm-hmm. I'm gonna feel shittier after. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've been indulging in five cent candy um, in a m- sort of uh, metaphorical way, you know, in that I've been really stressed and really taken on a lot of stuff. And as a, a way of dealing with that stress, have been um, talking about what other people are doing. Right, which is a code mm. of conduct in my in my commitment to my practice that is not okay. It's it, that's never okay. And the other morning, because always in early morning, like my spirits guides talked to me and they were like, you have to stop this. Like you are talking about other people and then wondering why your stress levels are, are increasing and you're getting involved in these dynamics with other people in a really unhealthy manner, you know? And so mm-hmm. the course correction happens earlier and l- w- more kindly in my process now, but this is a lifelong process. I'm always going to be catching myself and going, Xiao, like, hey, look at this, right? The warrior doesn't expect there to be this end point where we all get to sit down and relax and it's awesome <laughs> and we don't have to work right. hard anymore, right? It We want this path because it feels so meaningful to show up in a way that we are deeply committed to and conscious of, you know, and, and that it's, it's a never-ending process. Mm-hmm. I think that um, ultimately what it all comes down to is Trust. Trust that mm. when you ask yourself, am I doing my best? And you say yes, that that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, based on establishing a relationship with ourselves, right? Getting to know ourselves, you know, and and really, I mean, I think that we often as human beings, we want the world to love us. We want the world to treat us in a certain way. And that's a totally natural and understandable aspiration that we want to be seen and we want to be loved, you know, but this is the hardest thing. And and we've talked about this before, but the hardest thing about our brains and the way that we construct reality is that our brains will filter everything else out except what we expect to see. And so if in our brains, we have a program that says people are not going to be nice to you, there could be a million people in the world being nice to you and your brain will not let you see that because it's not the reality that it thinks is is normal and to be expected. And it will filter all of that out in favor of the one person who's giving you a nasty look or doing something awful to you and say, see, look, I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew that people were like this, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we really, I think, need to let that sink in that like, The world will abide by your expectations of it. And this is Mm -hmm. a big call to power, you know, is to say, if you are 
treating yourself with unkindness and and being really nasty to yourself, literally programming that, and that got probably programmed in at a very early age based on some early experiences that people have, you know, that that's a normal way to be. And we have to rally against that, you know, and and rally against these these patterns in our own psyche that prevent us from having a different life experience. And until we do that, life generally doesn't change, right? Until we change our expectations of it. The the thing with that that I feel like I'm wrestling with the most um, at the moment is when you are choosing to look at things like where is this a belief that I have? Like where is this con- this feeling confirming a story that I need to confirm? And when is mm-hmm. this actually intuition that it's like, mm. for instance, that it's like, you know, everybody's out to get me or whatever, that it's like, okay, sometimes that is the story. And sometimes someone really is actually kind of meaning to do you harm. So how do you parse out um, conditioning and intuition of like actually picking mm. up on something that's like a no. Well, if I can take the ex- the example that you just gave there of like something someone wanting to do us harm and mm. and what kind of can you uh, give a, a more sort of illustrated like uh, aspect or quality to that, Allison? Like, do you mean like taking advantage of you or doing physical harm or yeah? Let's say take advantage because I feel like generally it's it's not a physical thing. It's like a, you meet someone and. Um, you're like, okay, I feel a little off about this person and not mm-hmm. in the sense that I, I really think that it's like true deep harm they're meaning me, but not just mm-hmm. I can't trust them fully. I, I'm not completely mm-hmm. open with them. But I also mm-hmm. know that a story I have is that, you know, most people aren't aren't that trustworthy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, which, which is it? How do you know which is which? So, I mean, I, I suppose there's some prefacing um, awarenesses that I would encourage a person to reflect on is that are people perfectly trustworthy ever? No. Whose whose intentions are are people generally serving? Whose whose desires and values? <laughs> Themselves. <laughs> So this is like the first noble truth in Buddhism is that shit's going to happen. It's going to suck. There's going to be suffering, yeah. right? If we are making choices to try to prevent that, we are a little bit lost, I think, because that is always going to happen. Now, what is up to us is how we frame that action, right? How we frame that person, quote unquote, taking advantage of us, right? If we are in a compassion absent space, we're going to frame that as how dare they, they're a bad person, blah, 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 you know, like this is awful, this always happens to me, right? And that's going to probably be confirming our historical story or our pattern, right, that is familiar Mm -hmm. for us. If we are aspiring, again, to encouraging and enhancing these tools that we use in shamanic practice of of compassion, right? And we can see someone taking advantage of us, right, Mm -hmm. as them serving their own values, right, or or not considering how other people are going to feel when they do stuff. And that's pretty typical of human beings, right? We can say we're completely not okay with how you're behaving. You know, I'm not okay with being taken advantage of, but we're not going to condemn the person. We're going to see them as just a person being a person because that's mm-hmm. what people do, right? And we are going to keep our the emphasis and the the sense of what can be controlled in ourselves because we cannot set good, healthy boundaries with people if we're thinking about what they're doing all the time and trying to anticipate them, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is a really, this is a hard thing to do, Alison, because that is, when we do that, um, it's called threat seeking or threat perception seeking. You know, mm-hmm. in the we're looking at other people going, are you safe? Are you safe? Are you safe? That is right. an indication that our brain is in a state of trauma, right? Our brain has been hurt. Mm-hmm. Our body has been hurt. And we haven't processed that fully yet. And we are going, oh, God, I don't want this to happen again. So I'm going to look at what everybody's doing around me, right? And trauma processing, trauma healing is consciously pulling ourselves back into ourselves, into our body, into our experience going, okay, what's what's here for you? And not constantly seeking 
uh, understanding or, or, or assessment of what other people are doing. Because again, if we have not healed that trauma loop inside of us, the trauma loop is informing the filter in our brain and it's going to be finding dangerous, untrustworthy, you know, manipulative people everywhere because they exist. They are there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's, it's how we decide to approach it. I mean, I, I think that we can stay in that trauma loop for our entire lifetime and mm-hmm. and constantly find bad people and we will reaffirm our story and we'll make it stronger every time we do or if we want a different way of living as a human being we're going to start practicing different mental perceptions and, and, and ways of, of looking at things. We're going to practice coming back into our own body and taking care of ourselves so that we can heal that trauma, right? We're going to practice mm-hmm. regulating ourselves, all of these tools so that when somebody does take advantage of you, you're going to be able to say no, you know, put put a boundary up, affirm your what is okay and not okay for you, do it without judgment, hopefully, you know, and with compassion. And, and literally extract that loop from your brain where that won't be your reality anymore. That that's yeah. Because that will make it so that you don't have to take it personally. When other mm-hmm. people are doing their shit and being manipulative or whatever, it's because they're all fucked up inside, you know? And like that doesn't <laughs> actually have to reflect on you or, right. you know, change your, your story about who you are, right? That's their right. messiness, right? Right, right. And then it's like you're not somehow faulty for not catching it god no no i did air quotes nobody can see me (laughs) (laughs) it's good but that's you know and that's the the, again that trauma mind says you need to catch when people are going to do something bad right so i know how almost like nihilistic this sounds to say but like people are going to do those things they are a hundred percent of the rest of the days of your life you will encounter people doing those things right yeah and and so rather than trying to rally against what is inevitable, which is just power loss, right? Mm-hmm. We go, well, where do I need to put my energy so that I can construct a different reality, a different experience for myself and the way that I relate to other people, right? Is mm-hmm. If we want to stay there, and, and I mean, it's largely subconscious for people, you know, to choose to stay in that space. But if we want to stay there, and once we can see what's happening, we're allowed. You're totally allowed to stay there and say, okay, my job is to to anticipate threat, right? Mm -hmm. But I will say with absolute certainty, and I think you would agree, that you will never express the medicine you carry, the beauty and the, the gifts that you were given by spirit to offer to this system. You will never be able to offer those because your brain and your energy is going to be consumed by seeking danger and trying to protect yourself, right? And we mm-hmm. can't do those things at the same time. We just can't. So it's it's really about how to release aversion to suffering, mm-hmm. but also not, you know, put a target on your forehead. <laughs> like, everybody take <laughs> totally. advantage of me. <laughs> Totally, totally. But I mean, in a sense, you know, if we have that programming, that that pattern, we've made our own target because we've we've literally conditioned or our early experience has conditioned our mind to expect that reality, right? And mm-hmm. lo and behold, there's the reality that we expect. And this is a, you know, this is a very tricky situation. It's a conversation and exploration is that, you know, as you and I have often talked about, there is real oppression. There is real, you know, the mm-hmm. damage done to people. And and when that is happening, you know, action needs to be taken. Uh, things need to change in a substantial way. It is not on that person in that moment to make that change happen. But, I mean, in this question, then, at what point does it become on that person, right? Is it on right. Donald Trump to change himself? Is it on him to change his value system and, and you know, the way that he shows up in the world? Because we think, well, he's, you know, he's got money and everything else, but, like, he's a traumatized, dysfunctional human being just like the rest of us. And, and he's not looking at himself. He's not reflecting, right? But when do we just say, I'm, I'm tired of looking at other people and how they should be behaving, and I'm ready to actually claim my own authority and be an adult in my life mm-hmm. and say, this is my responsibility, is to show up in the way that is meaningful for me and and commit to that as a lifelong path, right? Mm -hmm. I have a question about power. Why do we want power? 
Like if it isn't actually a power over people and it's really hard to have power over yourself, what is the benefit of power? So why are you here, Allison, on this planet? What's your purpose? Oh, come on. Just a really, <laughs> it's a really easy question. Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so would you like to know? I would. I think most of the time I would like to know, yes. Mm-hmm. I think that this is like the question, one of the questions that's sort of driven mankind, humankind, a little bit nuts, you know, is like, why are we here? What's the purpose, right? And yeah. religions came along and said, well, the purpose is the afterlife. You know, here, you're, you're doing things in a virtuous manner here so that you, I don't know, get something beautiful and streets paved with gold in the other life, right? And so people started living with that, with that value system, with that kind of compass in a sense of like, that is why you're here. Do I think that people fully committed to that and the principles of of Christian teachings? Fuck no. You know, like I think that people, we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. that we are committed to something, but it's really hard to be like Jesus, like really, really, really hard, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have a friend who says, she's like, I'm not making it to Jesus in this life. The most I can hope for is an apostle. (laughs) Which is, that's a pretty high aspiration. That's good. Absolutely. That's a pretty high (laughs) aspiration. It's quite good. But still, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that I can only speak for myself or maybe from the teachings of my lineage, you know, that we are creatures of great dignity. We are beautiful, Mm -hmm. incredible beings who we take, we have been taught, we have been domesticated into taking this like easy, passive, um, really uh, disengaged stance on why we're here, you know? And I I think that, or we've been fed this other system kind of perspective on, well, you're here to have material goods and to make, you know, something of yourself. And, and I think that, you know, the value systems that inform our why, you know, why we do the things that we do show up in, in the, the fruit of our existence, right? I mean, the why of capitalism is is here. This is this is what it, it makes, right? Is is, you know, environmental destruction, social discord, blah, 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 right? We're seeing why writ large, the, the why of capitalism writ large in in everything that's happening, right? And as individuals, mm-hmm. if we do not ask why, why we are here, what our purpose is, and consciously decide that, not based on, you know, what we inherited from our parents, though some of that may still ring true for us, you know, but like really consciously say, you know, here is my why. In shamanic practice, in shamanic tradition, the why is that we are to enhance our consciousness and we are to awaken, same as in Buddhist practice, you know, and to become more and more present to what is happening in our lives. And Power, power is literally the the currency of that kind of of why you know is is because when we live in alignment with with an, a why that we've established you know that says I am here to be compassionate to be kind to be honest to you know again all of these like very similar virtues to other lineages but we commit to that when we do that power starts to. Uh, flow through us. We we start to gain power. And power is uh, ultimately what leads us to what's called will in, in shamanic practice, which is not free will, but it's actually the ability to make um, things happen in our lives, if I, if I may, you know. And But the, the irony of it, Alison, is that once we get to the place of will, of true power, of like really being in perfect alignment with ourselves where we are always, again, doing, saying, thinking, feeling, all the same thing. You know, we are living in alignment with this established why that we have decided. Mm -hmm. When we get to that power place, we don't want to exert power in the world anymore because we trust the process and the system so inherently and so innately that we don't need to change anything. You know, we, we need only to like be more and more present and available to the world. And power is happiness. Power is love. Power is full catastrophe living, as as John Kabat-Zinn calls it, you know, is like being able to really fully experience the vibrancy of being this amazing creature that we actually are as human beings. And so 
Yeah, I mean, I I know that it is, there is also, quote unquote, power dynamics, power systems within relationships, within society and stuff that I, I consider as a different sort of experience of power. Power in the shamanic sense is this sense of not not losing energy if I, it's hard to describe but like when we are going against what we know we should be doing or we're you know acting in a mm-hmm. way that we are not actually in agreement with right and it's it's more about it's like I'd use the word almost spirit instead of power you know that we're seeking we're seeking alignment mm-hmm. with spirit and and this ability to really inhabit ourselves fully in this lifetime does that make sense I know it's very vague yeah. No, it does. I feel like as using the word spirit helps solidify it because I feel like power feels like I am powerful over something, right. over others, over right. energy, over the world. But it's like to be like spirited mm-hmm. is a fullness mm-hmm. more than a force. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's I mean, it is it is both a fullness and a force, but it is not a force that again is is used in any way. You know, like it's not it's mm-hmm. not used for destructive or constructive purposes. Even really, it's it's just that you know when we emerged into this level of consciousness as human beings, where we were able to conceptualize of me, you, you know, like and and really consciousness came to a place in its in its evolutionary process where we could think of ourselves as separate beings right that is this separation from spirit this separation from source from the totality of all that is and power seeking power is seeking to remember that that is not true that that you are not a totally separate entity because that that's loneliness. That's 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 the the heartbreak of being a, a human is is not feeling like we belong, you know, in this system with each other, you know, that we can immerse ourselves in this and and be both yes as as so called singular entity, you know, but also be be perfectly united with this system. And so power is more that pursuit, you know, like that's that's what feels like power. I mean, a wolf has power, right? And it's not because it, mm-hmm. I should say, I don't know, a turtle has power, you know. It's not because it's like killing yeah. other beings or dominating anything, but because it is purely yeah. itself. It does not doubt itself. It does not separate from itself, you know. Like, everything in the natural world has power. Human beings have forgotten our power. We we constructed this mythology that, you know, we're bad and we shouldn't have power or whatever. And so I think that's why we constructed a very power-hungry society of, like, trying to find power, what yeah. we thought of as power in a different way, you know. But shamanic power is is never that. It is really this remembering yeah. of spirit, you know. And as we remember our spirit, we feel we, we don't have anything to prove anymore, right? We have no points to defend. And, and that is a powerful being, is someone who is fully within themselves, you know, and able to be thus fully available to the world and in service and generous and compassionate to the, an ultimate degree. Does that feel mm-hmm. okay? It does. Yeah. It does. And I, and I feel like it's, um, it goes back to what we were talking about before, where it's like the power that we get taught is oftentimes deep aversion to suffering. Totally. That if I am powerful enough, I will never be totally. harmed. When true power is like, yeah, yeah, I will likely be harmed in some way, and I'm still going to be whole and okay. Yeah, in my center, and and I'm not going to rally against the the realities of life. You know, like we do that. We go, oh, I don't like sickness. I don't like death. I don't like discomfort. I don't like suffering. You know, but. You know, again, Buddhism is so beautiful in that first level of teaching to say, make peace with that. Because if you don't, your entire life is going to be resisting something that is always going to be happening. And that is pretty insane, really. You know, I'm curious. Downstairs. Oh, should we? <laughs> no, pause? it's okay. No, no, no. It's a good. Um, no, say, say what you wanted to say. The I feel like when I initially became interested in shamanic practice, it was with the idea to heal mm-hmm. others, whatever mm-hmm. that might mean. That it's like, you know, in ceremony, helping mm-hmm. people get through blocks, also experiencing like getting through your own blocks. This kind of like the magic, the magic of mm-hmm. it where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I can... 
bend energy and and do whatever. But it sounds like what you're talking about feels like something different because there are shamanic practice practitioners out here or out there who are healers and do have that capacity to move energy, but they're not necessarily seeking this path of alignment. So I think that Mm -hmm. what confuses me a little bit is that it's like, some people will say that shamanic practice is a spiritual path and some don't. That it's just like, okay, you don't have to be a, a, quote, good or aligned person in order to be a shamanic practitioner or powerful. Nope. Not at all. And and yeah, because then we widen the sort of definition of what power is. We widen the definition of like what healing is, you know, is that what I consider healing is not what other practitioners think of as healing, you know, and, and I don't subscribe to many different sort of lineage perspectives on what shamanic work is really all about. I mean, you think about the term shamanic, shamanism, you know, it it is it is from one region in the world, you know, and has now been like applied to, you know, the traditional healing systems of of the the globe. Like that's that's ridiculous, yeah. really. Is that they're nowhere near the same, you know? I mean, even where I live, there's the the Silkotin, you know, traditional territory on one side of the town, and the Shikwamuk, um on the other side. They have completely different beliefs about you know, healing and, and ceremony processes and stuff. I mean, I shouldn't say completely different, but really very different, you know? And so shamanism is is often grouped into this, like, category, you know, or, or this, this singular entity, and I, it certainly is not that. I would say that the prevailing truth that I would ascribe to all shamanic practices is that they move towards what is uncomfortable. They are training in moving towards darkness, you know, pain, suffering, whatever. I I mean, this is, you know, the Bon tradition that predated um, Tibetan Buddhism was a shamanic tradition because it was really all about how do we move towards suffering? And Buddhism was really born out of that too, of like seeking to to encounter suffering consciously and, and navigate it well rather than to ignore it, right? And so that's what I think of, you know, in terms of healing. Every shamanic practitioner is going to do that differently. Maybe they do that for their clients. You know, maybe they they go in and help, you know, extract certain things. And you can totally do that. I am I, I'm aligned with a different approach in that I, I do think that each human being really wants to understand their power, really wants to remember, really wants to come into knowing and remembering that they belong here. And I don't want anything less than that for them. And I think that if I create relationships of what I'd experience as dependency, where someone's coming to me and going, take this thing out of me, and then they come back a month later and, oh, take this thing out of me again, well, lo and behold, it's the same thing because that person has not understood how to, you know, cultivate their own power to live in alignment. And so my practice is different in that way, you know, and and it's also, I am, there's, there's different usages of of the energy that you cultivate through your shamanic you know um, initiation and and process practices and some people use them in ways that I wouldn't agree with you know and that's that's their prerogative right there are some you know historical relationships with shamanic practitioners where that they lived on the outside of the society because they were such shitheads that were always like messing up people and stealing things and doing nasty stuff right like and and I, I I mean that's that's one way of viewing it you know and and I know people who've had bad experiences with people in those sorts of character traits. With so would you still consider traits. that power? I would because the person has learned you know how to really come in alignment with themselves, or they've learned how to mitigate the damages of what happens when they're not in alignment with. Um, you know, core stuff. This is, I don't know if I've said this to you before, but my teacher would do things to people. She would punish people. And she Mm -hmm. knew that she would get punishment back because that's the way that karma works. But she knew how to mitigate those damages. She knew how to do certain things to like make sure that when the, the pain came back to her, she could deflect it or whatever. That's a way of practicing. I don't practice like that. I don't find it even interesting. And as I've said before, I, I think I'm not even smart enough to do it, you know, because it's like it's way too complex to me. And I'm also just entirely root, grounded in Buddhist practice. 
which is I mm. seek compassion and honesty and integrity and and as much, you know, like compassionate kindness without niceness, you know, that I possibly can in my life. And that's, that is the basis of my practice. And so there's no space for punishing people. There's no space for, you know, doing witchcraft or, you know, Wiccan kind of practices. It's just not what I, what I do. And there's many different ways to engage with this energy. But yeah, I would still call it power. I think the ultimate power though, is that which is inhabited by the Dalai Lama, you know, is inhabited by, um, you know, spiritual seekers and teachers. I think Ram Das had this, you know, where they come mm-hmm. into the realization that we are here to love. We're here to be loving. We are here to exist in that non-dual state of, of, of equanimity and, and compassionate presence to ourselves and other people. And anything less than that can still be shamanism, yes, but I think that it's a... It's a it's an unevolved version of it, you know, and I say that with as little righteousness as I hope that can come across as, you know. Yeah. The Knowing is an Intelliki production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the northern Sukhwetmik people. Music, editing, and production by Brent Morton at Bell Tower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day with equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is. (laughs) 